Welcome to the Underground, unlocking alternative journeys to health with host Kelly Richardson. Over the next hour, you're going to hear from the experts of bioenergetic kinesiology and clients who have experienced success with this modality. Now, here is Kelly. Welcome to the Underground. I'm your host, Kelly Richardson, and I'm the owner of the Richardson Center for Learning and Wellness in Janesville, Wisconsin, where we provide services for people with concussions, trauma, allergies, learning issues, and those with aches and pains. I've been in the field for over a decade and share a passion to teach others about bioenergetic kinesiology. One way I plan on doing this is bringing in leaders in my field, as well as clients to tell their personal stories on the show. You can reach me at kellyrichardson.us, or you can call the office at 608-563-5202. This week, we are going to be hearing from Sarah Scarcelli. Sarah is the mother of three amazing young women and two fur babies. Most authentically, Sarah is a psychic medium. Born with spiritual gifts, she did not desire to holistically own or practice her abilities until her 30s. Now in her 40s, she works with spiritual energies daily and continues to learn from her mentors in the field. Sarah also earned a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology from Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts, and a Master's Degree in Higher Education from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Sarah energetically meets with clients over Zoom from all over the United States and Canada and in person around central Mississippi, where she lives and works at a local community college. Welcome to the underground, Sarah. Hey, thanks, Cam. How are things down there in Mississippi right now? Warm. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot say the same for Wisconsin. Yes, I bet. Yeah, my watch literally said, well, actually, today's a little bit chilly. It's on the 39 today is what my watch says. But um, that could change at a moment in Mississippi as the weather consistently changes on a minute by minute. (laughs) We're about in the 30s, too. But, you know, I had to clean off my windshield this morning. So to me, Mm -hmm. that's just too cold. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you heard about me? Do you remember how we met? Yeah. So you and I met through um, a mutual acquaintance and in the Boston area. Um, And at the time, I was looking for resources to help um, my children, my girls, with... um, balancing different aspects of some hidden disabilities. So we had autism spectrum disorder on the table. Dyslexia was on the table. Um, Mental health issues, anxiety was all on the table. Um, And I had sort of come um, from um, working really, really hard to get them diagnosed, number one, um, at a very early age, because instinctually I just knew something was different. Um, from birth, sometimes even in utero. And um, we were kind of at a crossroads between therapies working, but not starting to see a ton of progress. And so your name popped up as somebody who might be able to help um, energetically balance the girls um, and bring their physical bodies, emotional bodies, spiritual bodies back into some kind of alignment. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I saw Sarah and her family while I had an office and a practice in Boston. I used to bop between Wisconsin and Boston. I lived in Milton, Wisconsin, and I worked in Milton, Massachusetts. So that was interesting. (laughs) Yes, that is funny. (laughs) So that was when Sarah was currently when she was living in Boston area. But now she currently lives in Mississippi, which is quite the change. Girl, you have no idea. (laughs) I've heard you say. (laughs) So the first person that we worked on was Lydia. um, She was the first one that came to see me and was Mm -hmm. going on with, um, what do you remember about that experience? So this particular child um, was um, diagnosed with autism. I knew she was just different around her first birthday she kind of just went like inward and um she went from this cooing happy um baby where we could you know babble back and forth to like kind of nothing 
Um, and I called it her veg. She was like a vegetable in that regard. She lost muscle tone. Like there was a definite significant change. Um, so I was a bulldog in a China closet, got her diagnosed, um, through, um, the Lori center, um, out of mass general in Boston, one of the best places to get diagnosed. I feel like on the planet, um, with great resources. And then, uh, as she got into school at the age of three, um, we had services in our house for, I don't even know, maybe close to a year intense. Like I was, it was a part-time job. Literally I had to leave my, my full-time job to, um, to be, uh, at home with her. Um, and then she got into school and things were doing, she was doing great, um, in some areas, but then she still was using, um, like forming letters and numbers backwards. And there was just something about that instinctually that I knew still wasn't quite right. So, um, I fought really hard to get her more testing done at school. And um, I was able to ask the question off the record because they're not legally supposed to diagnose. Is she dyslexic? And the answer, of course, was yes. So then that's where we started moving and grooving in those different directions. So um, her sensory system was very weak in some areas and gross in other areas. And that needed to be kind of brought back into alignment. Um, And she was really struggling with um, language really in terms of schooling, um, sight words, those kinds of things, writing her name. Um, she could speak and articulate those things, but it was just a matter of holding a a writing implement to be able to express them, um, physically on paper, um, to put those visuals and the physical components together. So she struggled a lot with those things. I remember when she first came in and that she was just very quiet and very introverted, didn't really speak. Mom had to speak for her mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. So mom was more of the advocate and yeah, she was just not very responsive at that time. Mm-hmm. Can you tell about um, what happened after the, I came into the picture and you yeah. saw what we did? Yep. Um, yeah, she, she could, she was verbal at that point, but, um, yes, it she was for verbal. a long time though. She was nonverbal mm-hmm. and we had used PEC systems and pictures and Velcro strips and everything else to anticipate what was coming next and how she could express herself if she couldn't find her words. Um, between the dyslexia and the autism, that poor kid, <laughs> it, it was really challenging to be able to express herself. Um, so when we came to see you, um, she uh, really was struggling reading. Um, that was a really, really big thing. Um, two things came out of that session. One, she um, was able to read um, and she was excited about reading. And then the other thing that was really like fascinating to me and an enormous win was she could catch a ball. And I know that sounds so silly, but literally whatever happened energetically, those two halves of the brain needed to find unity, um, amongst and harmony. Um, she just couldn't connect those, those interconnected tissues were just challenged, um, because of the way that her brain was formed, but we needed to activate more of that interconnective tissue. Um, so to be able to catch a ball was even more of a win for me than it was the reading (laughs) just because, Physically, it meant that she was making progress. When we got to the portion of the brain integration where I work on um, reading, what I found fascinating is she picked up our books and I do a pre and I do a post. Mm -hmm. And the pre um, reading testing, I guess you could call it, or assessment wasn't very good. Like, I don't, I should have looked at my notes before I came in today, but, um, I know that she was really struggling. Like she could not even phonetically sound right. out words. Right. Right. Sign and, words. Typically, yeah. you know, you can memorize them, you know, but, the memory component of how her brain developed was also really challenged at that point as well, which is not, you know, untypical of kiddos no, with dyslexia. Not at all. Um, they look at more of the formation of the word what what's the shape of the word a lot of times that will help but a lot of the sight words could look the same like was and saw that's the type of dyslexia i have and um afterwards when when i reassessed lydia on her reading she 
blew me out of the water and she just she just read the book and she's like can I read another and I'm like sure and she's like can I read another and I'm like okay and you know I only bring so much in my suitcase when I come to Boston (laughs) and she read everything at that grade level and the grade level ahead of where she was at I've never ever seen a kid do that yeah it was amazing Mm -hmm. so I know that I got a text from you that night that you're like, she's just reading book after book after book. Yeah, I remember that too. We were home. Here. She was like, every book on her shelf was like open in her room. And you know, it was super exciting. And you know, we had done neurological testing at the Lurie Center, um, knowing full well that cognitively everything was intact. It was just literally rewiring or refiguring out those interconnective tissues that needed a little TLC. Yeah. Um, to energetically become unblocked so that all of those things could come into play. So yeah, she was super proud of herself that night and um, for multiple reasons. One, because she could pick up a book and and read, but then also like, you know, I, I was able to catch a ball, which then led to riding a bicycle, which then led to, you know, not tripping over her feet. Like the, the, that's a silly thing, but developmentally that was huge. That was huge. She was really clumsy when she was little. I mean, I had to find like mm-hmm. sandals, like keen sandals that had the toes <laughs> with the Velcro because her poor little piggy toes would be, you know, a mess if she was in flip flops or something, an open toed sandal. So, I mean, these were big wins for her and for our family. I mean, it was a big, it was really big. Hey, I still wear my keens. I love <laughs> them. They look so dorky. But I can wear them right out of the box. And I hiked all over Italy in my jeans. Yeah, they're pretty good. Right they're the pretty, good. They're so pretty I'm, good. I'm a keen yeah. fan. I don't care what your age. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. She she wore them with dresses and, you know, shorts. It didn't matter. Um, sometimes she had uh, tights on underneath with her jeans on. <laughs> I, I understand that. But, yeah, with Lydia, that was one of the largest transformations in the shortest amount of time mm-hmm. I had ever seen. And, and still have that. Sh- I've never sh- seen it happen that quickly. I've seen them like go up one or two grade levels, but it's over a longer period of time. Now, when I go to Boston, I would knock out an integration in a day or two days. So we saw the transformation within two days. We did. We did. So, it was remarkable. And, w- mm-hmm. and back here, you know, sometimes we meet, you know, once a week and it takes a little while. It takes, yep. you know, about seven hours yep. worth of work. So if I'm meeting for two to three hours, it's going to take a couple sessions. So it could take up to three weeks to a month. Yeah. No, I knew, I just knew instinctually that, and I've always known, you know, as a, as a mom and as a, you know, mom with children with disabilities, you're always like, are my, are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to thrive? Am I doing enough? Right? Like, these are questions. I know you and I have talked about this so many times. Have I done enough um, as a parent? Um, and I feel like uh, I knew that she was going to be okay. She's still going to be okay. She still struggles with some things, but she's going to be okay. She's incredibly emotionally connected, um, which is something that she was having trouble with expressing before. She can do that now. You know, she's thriving in school. Um, She's got great support at school. Um, She cannot put books down. In fact, Um, one of the things I know she's been requesting over and over and over again was more gift cards to local bookstores so that, um, you know, and at this point, I don't care what she's reading as long as she is reading and enjoying it. So um, she's enjoying uh, all kinds of (laughs) teenage, um, tweeny, <laughs> you know, not tweeny, more like, you know, high school. Cause she's in high school, um, books at the moment. And we're totally busting her butt for those things, but, um, she's enjoying it. And that's the bottom line. Like at, at the end of the day, I don't care what she's reading. She's reading. And that's, that's the joy of, um, you know, what you helped create for her. So thank you. I know that I'm not the only thing that you, um, went to, to get help for Lydia. Is there any other things that you did to help her on her wellness journey to that was beneficial? Yep. Um, we saw a holistic, um, chiropractor for a while. Um, we had to detox her from heavy metals. Um, she was a very, she's a very, very sensitive body, much like her mama. Um, so we had to cut out plastics. We cut out metals, Um, We changed diet um, for a long time. Uh, Of course, she's a teenager now and eats whatever the heck she wants. But um, 
Uh, we took out gluten, we took out dairy, we reduced sugar, uh, we removed dyes. Um, we really did a lot of work internally um, to make sure that what she was eating and putting in her body was helping her with her output. And we did see some remarkable changes there. Um, but the holistic medicine component was really, really big. Um vitamins that she needed, minerals that she needed. Um, those were big. And then getting adjusted as well was also super helpful for her, which was kind of alternative. Um, Chiropractor know, is what you're, yeah. you're thinking at, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. But he, he also used kinesiology and um, we muscle tested everything. And at the time, actually, it's a funny story. We had a service dog. His name was Wally. And um, he would test her without Wally touching her. And then he would test her while Wally was touching her. And the strength that he provided to her uh, during those sessions, you know, with the testing of the arm um, were drastically different. Uh, he was a huge support emotionally, physically um, for her. So that was another alternative form of medicine uh, that we use in our family. And he went everywhere with us, plane rides, amusement park rides. We didn't buy a car unless he fit. Um, he was a, a life-changing um, addition. Well, we're going to go to break right now. Today, we've been talking with Sarah Scarcelli about her personal experiences with bioenergetic kinesiology. When we return, we'll hear more of her family story. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you not getting the answers or results you are looking for in your healthcare journey? Join the underground each week as we explore alternative tracks to wellness. We will be bringing on experts in the field of bioenergetic kinesiology, as well as hear stories about those who have had success in utilizing this modality. The Underground. Unlocking Alternative Journeys to Health, hosted by Kelly Richardson. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In this polarizing age of misinformation, it is critical to examine the lessons of the past on history, culture, and trauma. Ingrid Cochran, CEO of Paces Connection, and her guests will explore historical trauma and outline how our collective past shades our perception of today's world and our shared experiences. In this podcast, we will examine the impact of past atrocious cultural events and the impact of the systemic trauma of racism and poverty on the human experience. Ingrid and her guest will also outline what is needed for our collective healing. Please join us for History, Culture, and Trauma, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to The Underground with Kelly Richardson. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Underground. We have been talking with Sarah Scarcelli about her and her family's experiences with bioenergetic kinesiology. Sarah, you have two other girls that have also come and seen me. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about each one of them? Yeah. Um, my oldest um, daughter um, really struggled with some anger issues when she was younger and severe, which really was a, a form of severe anxiety. She was afraid of a lot. Um, and um, she was fine at school, brilliant brain, again, cognitively intact in all the areas um, did not have any problems at school, made friends. Um, but you know, like most kids, you know, uh, sensory stuff was a, a little challenging at times, but that's a developmental stage of, of neurotypical kids, you know, so there wasn't anything abnormal, um, per se or challenging or different in that area. Um, but she definitely felt afraid of a lot. Um, and then ironically, <laughs> we always joke, she, I think in a past life was just a, an only child. And in this life, 
she needed to be a sibling because she, her little soul needed to evolve and learn a whole bunch of things about sharing and caring. <laughs> it's a constant joke in our home. So we struggled a lot with emotional stuff and mental health. Um, and um, we eventually had to put her on some medication to help her with her anxiety and her anger. And um, we have done several. And even to this day, some days I'll see, I'll, you know, she's, She's in her 20s now. She's an adult and she gets to make those decisions on her own. But sometimes I still can say, hey, well, you know, you still have Kel as an option if you feel like you're needing some balancing work. So um, you worked on her several times. We had a couple practitioners work on her at the same time with you um, and to help really move some of that stuck energy, I guess, is the best way to say that um, in some various forms of gray that needed to remove so that more of that beautiful light authenticness of her soul could shine. So, um, and she is doing absolutely fabulous. Um, she's about to graduate from community college in the spring and she is bound and determined that girl is going to become a medical doctor. So good. We're going to need them. Yeah, she is. Yep. She is. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And then my middle daughter also, um, diagnosed on the spectrum. Um, I knew from birth that something was a little bit different about her. Um, each one of them too really has like incredible spiritual gifts as well. So their energy and their physical bodies is just as important to me as even more so sometimes in their physical bodies and how that affects their mental health than it does the, um, the academic component, but, um, all brilliant. Um, this girl took her ACT one time and got a 26. So, <laughs> You know, we're not worried about these cognitive things. It's the day in, the day out stuff. Um, but also, like I said, diagnosed on the spectrum, um, PDD and OS at the time. And um, she had some sensory stuff too. And, but uh, she was, she was verbal, um, but varying stages of, of verbal. The um, One of the other biggest challenges for her, again, was, was being able to um, catch a ball. And uh, with that also was being able to ride a bicycle, like huge. So, and these are, these are, might seem like small wins to parents of neurotypical kids, but this was huge. Like being able to ride a bike and not being able to ride a bike as a child felt like I was not doing enough for her. Cause I was, as a child, I was constantly on my bike, like riding a bike with both of those hemispheres working and both parts of the brain and the physical components and the release and the, just even the sensory stuff of the wind on your face. I felt like they were, not, they weren't living a childhood because they couldn't ride a bike. That was huge. That was yeah. huge. So she's also um, in college. She graduated a year early from high school because she was that determined. She is an older soul in a younger body. And, um, she is uh, doing amazing work and had a first amazing semester and is going to go on and do big things as well. And so right now she's also thinking about working with possibly with kiddos on the spectrum, becoming a BCBA um, or an occupational therapist. So girls got skills. They're growing up. It's just crazy to see how old they are now. Because so <laughs> when I saw them, they were all. I know. They so were little and in elementary school and now two are in college, one's in high school, all thriving. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and there is hope, even if you do get a diagnosis that seems scary, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that their lives are over or your lives no. are over. No, no, they can overcome these things and they can do amazing work right. in their older years, you know, when they, go. and I will say, you know, to a lot of parents out there who are afraid of getting their child diagnosed, I think, and I'm going to be blunt about that. That's a parent issue for me. That's not advocating for your child. That's you dealing with your own emotions about feeling like you failed as a parent. So my humble advice is to put your ego aside and figure out how to get your child diagnosed because without an autism diagnosis, my children would not have had speech and language pathology and social skill development and occupational therapy and physical therapy and um, psychological following. And then I also wouldn't have been able to access resources in Massachusetts where um, services are amazing. I was able to get a second health insurance for them based on their disability that paid for physical therapy, occupational speech speech therapies. And then I had um, resources in my home. Like I said, it was a part-time job. Um, And I didn't 
that was all covered because of their disability. Without the label, I would not have been able to get them the services. And I also want to stress right. to you, services at a young age are critical because that's when the brain is forming. So if you're putting it off and putting it off, you're only harming your child more long-term than you are advocating for them. So please find your own emotional health, find your own you know, ability to express your feelings about feeling like somehow that you failed as a parent. Because if you don't acknowledge that, you will not be able to be accessible for your kid. And that will affect them long-term. I followed those instincts very early on when everybody told me I was crazy. I wasn't. Um, I knew that things were a little bit different. I knew I had to advocate schools. Um, the diagnosis was important. School was important. But then Additionally, additionally, finding those other resources beyond um, what we typically know of, you know, to help kiddos with spectrum disorder and dyslexia. There was more to it. The energy component of their spiritual body, their physical body, their mental health, also really, really just as important, if not more so important for them to recognize those things. Um, and my girls are able to say now, yeah, I was like that when I was little. We joke about it now, you know, and they still know that they have some things that they're working on like anybody else does, mm -hmm. but they're way more neurotypical than they are um, dis disabled, um, I guess, is the more appropriate way to say that. I mean, my kids are freaking rock stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josiah, we had he was diagnosed at three years old with autism and my our doctor actually diagnosed him. And I'm like, what? But he talks. And I was a teacher. So right. I should have known. But in all the autistic kids that I knew couldn't speak. And right. Josiah spoke. It's right. it's just he had all the other symptoms. Right. So our doctor actually helped educate me that, no, it's not just when they're nonverbal. Right. So that's when that was even before there was even a spectrum that they right. talked. Right. It right. Well, I love you that were or you too. weren't. Yeah. You see one person with autism, you've seen one person with autism. That could not be more accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was diagnosed at three. And back back in those days, I could still diagnose learning disabilities. And Gabe and Hannah both had um, dyslexia. And that was what I did my master's thesis on was dyslexia. And so it was pretty easy for me to tell that they had dyslexia. But um yeah, we didn't go the regular route where we got a neuropsych eval. That wasn't even a thing. Mm. And especially that was in Virginia. And when I moved to Wisconsin and I was doing some clinicals, they were saying that they're not even diagnosing dyslexia anymore in the schools. And I'm like, what? And they're like, it's just a learning disability. I'm like, no, there's multiple different right. dyslexias right. that you need to look at. And you can teach them different ways to right. read if you know what type of dyslexia they right. have. And you and I both know that they can start screening in preschool, which is what we should be doing, um, you know, as a as not state by state. To me, that should be mandated federally about those kinds of resources. Um, part of the only reason why I was able to move to Mississippi with the girls still being school age was because of all of the hard work that happened in Massachusetts. There's no way in hell I would have moved to this state had they not been intact in all of those ways that I had previously described. Um, this state is horrific when it comes to servicing kids on the spectrum and kids with dyslexia. I mean, I've had to go in um, they don't provide social skill development for kids on the spectrum. That's like one of the biggest challenges of, of you know, this is our society. We're, we're providing, you know, these soft skills, these life management skills to kids, and this is missing the boat. And then with the dyslexia, um, Mississippi doesn't recognize dyslexia yep. as a, a, a diagnosis for an IEP. And I was yep. like, first of all, let's get out the law books, which I took out, put on the table and said, so I want you to read me this section here of the, the idea law. Can you please read that out loud? <laughs> that was wicked fun. Um, but you know, it's it's time and advocacy. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's an emotional roller coaster. You know, the things too that we don't necessarily talk about as parents when we're advocating for our kids. But um, instincts are really important. Follow those instincts. Advocate. 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 If you need to hire a lawyer, do it. Um, if you need to hire an advocate, do it. Um, I had had to hire advocates several, several times. Um, I've you? Had I think you're one of the best advocates out there personally. Yeah. Just 
you in general. I, I wouldn't think that you would need to hire somebody. No, no. I, but, you know, the thing is, sometimes because of the emotional component of what you're dealing with, you know, it's hard to separate sometimes the facts from the emotion, right? Because it's your kid, like you would do anything for your child. So hiring an advocate is not a bad idea because they can be less emotional, um, you know, in situations. Um, And I had to learn too, as an adult, like I can't go in and like railroad everybody. I can't say that at all. I'm really good at that. I'm like really good at that. Um, And I had to, you know, I had to go in and ask questions. So like when I came down here to Mississippi and I brought my law books out and I was like, could you please read this? (laughs) How did they respond? Girl, let me tell you. I think they were scared shitless because they're like, who is this person? First of all, she's from the North. Who does she think she is? You know, with this table of southern ladies who do a lot of this all the time and are not blunt i'm blunt i'm in your face i'm going to tell you how i know it needs to go um they wanted to do all of these um different uh the energy in the room just shifted my lights are flickering um they wanted to do all these interventions that we had already done in massachusetts and i was like well clearly nobody's read her iep that's not happening this is what's going to happen and if this doesn't happen then we'll be having a different discussion and the fact that you are literally violating the federal law um puts all of these things into question so what are we going to do and how are we going to make this work well they wanted they pulled um, they had a, a a program, which I later went on and researched, and it was bullshit. And I brought it back in, printed all the resources offline, and I pushed, you know, I made copies for everybody. And I said, this is what you're offering children with dyslexia. This is what you're offering my daughter. And I want to honestly know if you had a kid um, in this situation, what would you be doing? I said, there's one resource about dyslexia, and it's 10 years old. You're paying for this. Yes. So I don't know what you think you're paying for, but this is unacceptable. Um, Well, we changed that and they had to pull somebody in from, they wanted to train her current resource teacher. And I was like, "Um, not even no, but hell no. Uh, My kid's not a guinea pig. So you figure out who's been doing this for a while. And that person, you can figure out how to get to my kid's building. And that's what they did. Um, It still wasn't perfect. We ended up doing a lot of... um, Uh, private tutoring as well, which was way more beneficial. But the challenging thing about that is that she, um, the language was not generalized. So how they were talking about um, picking apart a paragraph in elementary school um, was different than how she was coding things with her dyslexia practitioner. So um, it became too much. We ended up stopping the private practitioner because it was causing her a lot of anxiety. Um, We still work did some things at the school. Um, But then she felt like, you know what, mom, I don't want to do this anymore. And I also had to learn to follow her lead. I couldn't push things on her all the time. She knows herself well enough to know what she needs. um, And I had to be okay and let my own ego go and my own emotions go to realize that I needed to be um, thinking about her emotional wellness throughout all of this as well. Just because I knew she needed it didn't mean that she wanted it. You know, and as I'm trying to advocate and help, there's my puppy on the back of my chair, um, you know, give my my daughters, especially a voice. Um, I needed to be okay with giving them more of a voice to advocate um, for what she needed. And I had to follow that lead. Um, That's not always easy to do, but I'm proud of her for speaking up and telling me she didn't want to do it anymore. And I'm proud of myself for saying, okay. Okay. You respected her judgment calls and you are allowing them to grow up in an environment that's safe enough that they can make judgment calls for themselves so that when they get to be adults, grown adults, you'll be confident that they can make their own choices and they can advocate for themselves. I've seen Nadia do that more than mm-hmm. ever in the last few years. I mean, she'll call me or she'll text me and say, yep. Kelly, I need to make an appointment with you. It's not mom doing it anymore. She knows. And that's where we want our kids to get to. Right. Where they're fully functional adults. That was always my chant. You know, let's make them fully functional adults. Yep. Yep. We're talking about life management skills and that's what we're trying to build. So they will be successful. It's not about how necessarily to read a book, but it's about how to have a conversation, how to advocate for yourself, how to say, this is what I want. And this is what I need. This is what I can do. And this is what I should be doing. 
Exactly. Well, we're going to go to break right now. Today, we've been talking with Sarah Scarcelli about her personal experiences with bioenergetic kinesiology. Stay tuned for the conclusion of The Underground. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you not getting the answers or results you are looking for in your healthcare journey? Join the underground each week as we explore alternative tracks to wellness. We will be bringing on experts in the field of bioenergetic kinesiology, as well as hear stories about those who have had success in utilizing this modality. The Underground, unlocking alternative journeys to health. Hosted by Kelly Richardson. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine Miller-Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to The Underground with Kelly Richardson. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Underground. Today we've been talking with Sarah Scarcelli and her family's experiences with bioenergetic kinesiology. I'm your host, Kelly Richardson. Let's hear a little bit more about your personal story, Sarah. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where we started with you? Mm-hmm. So um, I obviously met you through um, my kids and um, I, um, hmm, how do I want to say this? So I, I always knew that I was a little bit different, um, that I had the ability to see things and hear things and experience things through my physical body and my awareness that not everybody else could. And um, uh, I also knew that I had the ability to see um, energy in a different way. So I am a practicing psychic medium. Um, I connect energy with energetically um, reading with a client on Zoom or in person this way. And then mediumistically, I connect above my head and what do I call like the PVC conduit um, of energy to connect with loved ones who've crossed over. So um, at that point in my life, when I met you, I was so involved with the kids. Like my life was my children. That's and, And I literally, that was my eating, breathing, thinking cycle. Am I doing enough? Can I do more? What do they need? What do they want? Um, how do I get them to feel like, you know, right now, like having this conversation with you feels like a full circle win because, uh, you know, how yes. proud I am of all the work and determination and all the research that I did and, you know, networking I did with other parents to try to find people like you to help my family and my children grow. Um, but then I also needed some help. <laughs> And I needed that help emotionally and spiritually and physically as well. Um, I, you know, when you put yourself first over and over and over again, and you're consistently thinking about others, um, you kind of lose yourself, you know, and as a mom, that's not an untypical story um, to do that, to put a career on hold, to make sure that your kids have what they need. Um, you know, at the time I was married, I'm an educator. Uh, my husband at the time was making way more money in his chosen profession than I was ever going to. So it was a very logical decision to, um, for me to stay home and to make some shifts in my, you know, put my personal career on hold, um, to advocate for them. Um, so I needed reassurance really. I mean, I think, you know, I was talking with other parents. I had started support groups, emotional support groups for parents, 
we needed the opportunity to talk about all of those things that we were doing for our kids. But then it was like turning the spotlight back on, on us as, as, as parents and saying, what do we want? What do we need? Um, and I got lost in that for a while. I really got lost in that for a while. Um, so I, I came to you to get support in that area. I needed that support. I needed, um, I needed that emotional reassurance. Um, you had been and done this, you know, longer than I had. Your kids are older than mine. Um, that support and that friendship that you offered me was beautiful. Um, but then obviously the energetic work that needed to happen with that as well. And um, as a young child, um, I had been raped and I had some physical things about my body that, um, especially in the lower half of my chakra system that needed attention. We worked a lot on those. Um, I needed to make sure that I felt safe. Um, and that, uh, the other thing was that what I was seeing and feeling was not, uh, something that I was making up in my body <laughs> or in my mind that these things were real. Um, and then through conversation, you and I were able to say, Hey, like that's kind of part of my life too. So, um, so that support was huge to getting me to where I am now, where I have my own business and my own practice. And, um, I meet with clients all the time and we do mediumship galleries with a partner of mine and I do them individually um, for small groups. So I'm doing what I need to be doing emotionally, physically and spiritually just for Sarah. Uh, and I feel like I've sort of passed that baton on to my kids instead of being the helicopter mom to now saying it's my turn. Uh, what do I want? What do I need? What can I do and what should I be doing? Yeah, but you didn't drop the ball with them. You empowered them to be able to care for their own well-being as well and advocate for themselves. So it wasn't just like one day you're like, okay, hands off, I'm done. Accurate. Now it's all about me. Yeah. It was nothing like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't mean to give them. them. Yes, thank yeah, you for you, clarifying. Yes. You yes. taught them yes. and helped build them up so they could. Right care for themselves in the ways so that we needed. went from like, I'm going to call the school right now. Cause I'm so yes. angry to, okay. What can I do to support you in this situation? Do you want to handle it initially? And if you need my help, will you let me know? Huge, huge growth for you. Yeah, it because was. when I first met you, it was, you were just a ball of nerves and almost like I can't make these decisions on my own. I need to get other expert advice on this. And I was like, no, you have this in you. You have discernment, right. you have intuition. Let's hone in on that and start developing that so yes. that you can have some self-confidence to make these decisions yes. for yourself and for your family. And you did, and you ran with it. Like yeah. well, more the than anybody else. Being told for so long that I was making something up that I was the problem, right? That everything was fine. They were fine. They were fine. And I knew they weren't fine. So how many times can you hear that? And then you start to doubt yourself about, well, am I like making stuff up? Am I making more of something about this than it should be? Um, and every time I started to get into that wheelhouse, um, you know, my intuition would kick up a little bit further, but then I also needed that support and I needed that mom support. Like I needed that Sarah, no, you've, like you said, you've got this, you already know what you need to be doing. You're doing everything you need to be doing. Um, you know, I was the first person in my family to have a child with a disability. So nobody, there was no way that any had paved the way for me to do any of the work that I was doing. Um, and again, it was like, are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Um, so you know, those, those things, you start to get into that cycle of, you know, uh, self-doubt in those ways. Right. And then it becomes your own mental health is at stake, which it was. Girl That's needed exactly help. exactly what happened to you. Girl needed help. <laughs> you did. And you got it. And look at you roll with it now. Like mm -hmm. you have grown so much. Uh -huh. And I'm just back here being your biggest cheerleader. Well, thanks, like, girl. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, look at what you're able to do. You can you fill auditoriums and you, you know, give readings. I mean, that's just huge. I do. It is like, you know, obviously being a mom is one of the most amazing things about being human, but um, the really the biggest amazing part of who I am is that I do have the ability to read energy um, and connect with 
uh, loved ones who've crossed over. It is the closest thing to feeling unconditional love that I think any human could possibly ever experience. It is profound. It is life-changing. It is healing. Um, the messages that come through and the ability to be able to hold somebody in a safe space without judgment is um, is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Well, I remember when I was there and I think you were in my muscle testing class that I was doing for the first time in Boston, right? No, I didn't participate in that. <clears throat> oh, I thought you were in that one. No, I didn't. I it wasn't. That was not um, the timing was not working. Oh, I could have swore you were in that class. Yeah, that no, was, sorry, it wasn't me. The, the night before is when my dad passed, and then I had to get up the next morning and teach the class. And I thought yeah. you were in that one. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Because you, we were sitting in the office. I do remember this. We were sitting in the office, and you did get a message from my dad about a specific thing and, you know, what we had done with some of his property that he was pretty impressed with. So that was cool. And then you also had a message from one of my friends that died of ALS. Mm-hmm. And that one was heartbreaking, but it, it was good. Um, so, and as far as my personal beliefs, you know, it it wasn't like I was all into this. I, I, I There's a part of me that doesn't want to believe that kind of stuff, but, you know, <laughs> how can you deny it when it's all around you? And I mean, I have the abilities as well. It's just, I for years would put my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 no, 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 no. But I've had to develop my giftings as well and accept myself with where they're at. You developed them late as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. mine was about the same time that you developed yours. I'm just a little bit older than you. So (laughs) well, I can stop you. They were always there. It, it, yeah. it, you don't like, you don't just one day be like, oh, today I'm going to be a medium. No, it doesn't work that no. way. Like no. everybody has the ability to be psychic. Every, every human being, it's like, you know, when you walk into a room and you know, somebody was just speaking about you, good, bad, or indifferent, you just know. Yes. Right. It's when you um, <clears throat> think about your best friend and she calls you or texts you, right. You're energetically putting energy out into the universe and she's picking up on that because of your relationship and your energetic connection. So, these things are real. You can't, you know, in my world, nothing happens coincidentally anymore. Everything is serendipitous. Everything happens for a reason. And even if shit happens, it's a question of what am I supposed to be learning from this situation? Not about, oh, woe is me. This sucks. Now, don't get me wrong. There are days that every human being, myself included, goes, whoa, this sucks today. But at the end of the day, if I can look back and say, what is the lesson in this? How is my soul going to evolve because of this situation? That's what life really is about. It's choosing how to figure out the terrible days and the amazing days. And then to think about how you can grow and reflect and move forward. And you've done an amazing job with that. I mean, I was probably you know, a few steps ahead of you, but you can catch up pretty darn quick. I remember taking you out to a property and letting you read the property. How does this mm. feel? What What's going yeah. on? What's the story of this property? Yeah. And you just nailed it. You just nailed it. Yeah. So when I train up someone, I put them in experiences and mm-hmm. I do that. I, I don't think I've ever made it public that I do train up people with abilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess it's out there now. Thanks a yep. lot, Sarah. <laughs> Get that girl. Well, and you know, it was, it was, it was more of like your encouragement and your love to own who I truly am. Um, You and another beautiful friend of ours have absolutely helped transition, helped me find, um, you know, those pieces that I already had inside of me, but like life got in the way, you know, and trauma, you know, as being raped as a child um, puts barriers, emotional barriers in place where you're you're in fight or flight. And I had to work through all of those things emotionally to get to a place to say, okay, yes, I am extremely psychic. Yes, I am a badass medium. And yes, I can connect with all of these things to help people move along in their life. And if the fact of the matter is, if I hadn't been using all of the intuition that I have, my kids wouldn't be where they are today. Exactly. So it's always used for the good. I mean, I'm sure you could use it for the the evil, but I the people that I work with have no, always never. used it for the I good. I mean, that's not that's not even in my that's not in practice. That's not yeah. in my wheelhouse. I am 
always connected and seeking the light um, and trying to move away from the darkness. And it does exist. Um, that's a whole other conversation for another day, but, but the light is always there. And that's what we're seeking. Yeah. That's what the soul wants is to be connected to the unconditional love space. It's the human shit that gets in the way sometimes that makes people feel stuck. And so how do we move out of feeling stuck? Right. What has been the greatest impact that bioenergetic kinesiology has had on you personally? Um, I just, I think it was really connecting back to my soul and what I wanted and what I needed, um, rerouting that energy because there was a lot of stuckness down in the lower half of my body because of what happened to me as a child. And those chakras needed to be opened up and moving and grooving and, um, and be in unison with the top half of my body that was so strong because I was so out of balance. Um, and so now I have balance um, yes, and I do, do believe in myself and I own my gifts now and yes. I own who I am. And I'm not afraid to say that I am a psychic and I'm a medium and I'm a mom and I'm a professional um, and that I'm a badass. You know, like I don't I'm not afraid to say that anymore. I'm not afraid to go in a room and light it up. I'm not afraid to do that anymore. Um that self-confidence came with a lot of inner work, but a lot of support from you. And so amazing other practitioners and healers as well, energetically that I needed. Um, but I also needed to believe in myself to know that I had gifts, but I needed to ask for help because I couldn't do it on my own at that time. Um, community and the human um, aspect of you know living is extremely important. We need each other. We need to ask for support. We need help from friends and family. Um, and that's extremely important. And if it weren't for those pieces and that encouragement from you and helping reroute all those energetic things that were blocked, you know, there's a part of it that I probably wouldn't be as successful as I am right now. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming on this show too and, and sharing your experiences with everyone. How can people get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Yeah, that's a great question. You can find me at sarahthepsychicmedium.com. I have website is on there. Uh, telephone is not on there. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Sarah the Psychic Medium, Sarah the Psychic Medium on Instagram. Um, I read for people, like I said, all over the country. If you're not in Mississippi, uh, we do that on Zoom. The energy is still the same. It's just as beautiful. Yeah. Um, I do small groups, uh, larger gallery readings. Um, and if you're in central Mississippi, don't be afraid to reach out and we can get together. Great. I can be reached at kellyrichardson.us or you can email us at richardsoncenter at outlook.com or you can always call the office at 608-563-5202. If I'm not there, leave a message. Next week, we will be talking about how bioenergetic kinesiology can help those suffering from chronic aches and pains. Join us next Thursday at noon central time for The Underground. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Underground with Kelly Richardson. We hope you've learned something you can apply to your own life. For more information, contact www.kellyrichardson.us. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.